Hello and welcome to another episode of Dig Me Out. I'm your host, Timonichi, and once again, my compadre of compact discs, my venerable vinyl, I'm trying to think of a V word here, my cassette compadre. Okay. I couldn't think of a vinyl one. My, I haven't touched a cassette, a cassette in 15 years, but okay. You know that there are actually that are bands that are releasing like cassette, like stuff now. Oh, stop it! Are you yeah, serious? Yeah, it's like the new like hipster. Oh, I'm gonna geez. make things. Yeah, I know. It's it's annoying as hell. Look, I'm a vinyl fan. I understand what makes vinyl special. Cassettes were shit. <laughs> I no, mean, what? I grew up. I grew up with cassettes. I had a ton of them. They were horrible. Well, they were especially bad when you listened to them too much, and they would start to warp. And, and even when they were new, they never sounded good. Well, they were always a little... They're pitched just a little bit off. That just always happened. The only thing good about cassettes was having a four-track recorder and being able to record stuff at home. Otherwise, for actually re, like playing music, and and um, I used to sit at a boombox and tape stuff off the radio, and it would never sounded the same. It always sounded weird. It, uh, yeah, it was horrible. On all the four, tra- I had a four track as a when I was in high school, and we started doing demo recordings. They always sounded like garbage. Yes. I mean, everything you can do on the computer now is way better than cassette. Just because it's old doesn't make it any good. I mean, vinyl has a has its place, and I think it'll be there for a long time and right. it does something special. But cassettes are garbage. You know what else is old? The Pinto doesn't make it any good. No. <laughs> we have a we have our first. No, it's not our first. We had a previous suggested listen but that came from a message board this one actually came from an email it's our first email suggestion from a listener for they gave us a bunch and we'll get to them you know down the road uh like i said before we have like forty thousand albums to listen to who's the listener uh the listener is john who's actually our facebook friend and he is starting his own podcast if soon um he's a part of I'm going to totally mess this up because I didn't think about it beforehand. It's like the Columbus or Ohio like Bluegrass Alliance, I think it's called. And they okay. focus mainly on like bluegrass music, but he was also in, way into like late 80s, early 90s alternative college indie music. So he gave me a list of like 15 cool. different bands and I dug up albums on as many as I could. So the first one we're doing from uh, his suggestions is a band called Head Candy which I had never heard of when he said Wait, the band's called Head Candy? Yeah. The band was called Starcaster. No, the band's called Head Candy. (laughs) I listened to this whole time thinking the band was called Starcaster. That's funny. Okay. That's what you would think, but no. (laughs) You're right. I'm looking at it in iTunes, and I was reading it completely the wrong way. Yeah, well, iTunes sometimes you look at it, and you're like, yes, this, this band is called Bad Motorfinger. And the yeah. album's called Soundgarden, because it's like reversed. The order of it's kind of confusing. I'm going to give a little history on Head Candy. There's, at first I couldn't find anything, and then like a, a dam broke open, and I found a bunch of information about them. Okay. They're from Iowa City, Iowa. They were a four-piece. Uh, they were only together for one record, which was this one. It was released on originally Link Records which is a local label, and then it was re-released or, or distributed through Hollywood Records nationally. They released one 7-inch off of it, which was the song At the Controls, and the B-side was also another album song. The 
Uh, lead singer and guitarist Mark Sangster was previously in a band called The Hollow Men, and they put out two albums over five years. Uh, in the 80s, they were, you know, um, a bit more well-known than Head Candy, which kind of came and went pretty fast. After Head Candy, everybody else in the band went on to other bands, except for the lead singer, who just basically stopped making music, and he's never been heard from again. Just lives in Iowa somewhere. And one last piece of information, the drummer, uh, whose name is Jim Veer, there's a blog that I regularly check called Wilthy Obscure, which uh, you pointed out to me. He posted. Yeah, you did. You post. You po- you pointed it out to me one day. Okay, I don't remember that, but awesome. I'm 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 on the ball. You are on the ball. Um, Jim Veer commented on a post about the Hollow Men that he had a bunch of unreleased Head Candy songs, and if you wanted it, you could just email him and and he'll send you a disc of the unreleased Head Candy stuff. So if you're looking for unreleased Head Candy songs. Go to the Willfully Obscure blog and search for Head Candy, or the Hollow Men, and um, you'll be able to find it. You'll be able to get the uh, the disc. So I'm planning on doing that. If I had thought ahead of time, I, I need to really focus on trying to get things planned out ahead of time. I would have emailed him ahead of time and said, hey, we're doing a podcast on your record. Do you want to join us? So you're saying you, you really need to get your shit together. I need to get my shit together. I, I dropped the ball on this one. Okay. When we review... Um, Soundgarden, I will make sure to get an email out to Chris Cornell. Okay, that's a good idea. Okay. So, let's get to the record. Um, what did you think, Jim? Well, I, I, I'm glad you didn't have the drummer on. <laughs> because he's 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 one of the weakest parts of the album. Oh. It, he's not bad. I mean, he's not the drummer from Sons of Elvis. Um, <laughs> the, the person... <laughs> really stands out for me as a singer so if you're saying that he did he went on to do nothing else is astounding to me uh because i think he's vocally there's something special going on here and distinctive what, what year did this come out 91 yeah i mean for that time particularly he doesn't really sound like anybody um well I'll, one tell, of my big, I, go I, ahead. I'll tell you who i think he sounds like uh the smithereens that's what i got yeah yeah i mean there's a smithereens okay so you know as that as we listen to these records a lot a lot of what i'm doing is at least first listen is like okay where you know what are the bands do i hear here um and that sometimes you know reveals interesting things about the al- about albums and it also reveals some weaknesses um there are moments here where you know i'm thinking smithereens but i think a lot of times that's just because I can't come up with anybody else. So I'm trying to cut them some slack on that. I, I don't think that they're ripping off the smithereens. No, I no, I don't want to suggest that they're ripping them off. I, I think that they're just in that genre of like basically making straight ahead rock with a little bit of a, a pop influence. Yeah. Um, in the same way that like, you know, if you want to go back to the 80s, like the Plimsolls. Do you remember the Plimsolls, Jay? They had that song "A Million Miles Away," which the Goo Goo Dolls covered. You know, of contemporaries, they kind of reminded me at points of like the Posies, replacements, replacements, Urge Overkill at times, Uh, the Clark's. If you remember the Clark's, wow, that era, Um, some of the early Fountains of Wayne stuff, and like, I don't want to, you know, Gin Blossoms are a little bit more commercial sounding than this, and a little less. 
there was a bit of a hard edge to some of the stuff on the Head Candy album that the Jim Blossoms would never approach. Right. Or even They're like fruitier. a Toad the Wet Sprocket. Um, on their... Also fruitier. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we just lost half the audience. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for that. Sorry. Well, they got an edge to them. I mean, you know, Jim Blossoms aren't very edgy, and I no. don't think Toad the Wet Sprocket's very edgy, and that's something that, you know, as I evaluate this stuff, you know, sorry, but that sort of connects to me. The, the Zapano record doesn't connect to me because it doesn't have, it has absolutely no rock and roll to it. None. There's no rock and roll in Zapato. No. And there's no rock and roll in Toad the Wet Sprocket. I'm sorry. Like, you might like the songs, but there's actually, there's absolutely no edge and no rock and roll to it whatsoever. No, I, I think from a, a songwriting standpoint, there was a little bit of a comparison, but you're right. There's no edge to Sprocket. So, you know, on, on this, I, I think all the bands you listed make a ton of sense and i would say that those bands in a lot of ways and this band as well they're sort of just really good bar bands and i don't mean that in a bad way but they just they are like a step above what you would hear you know in in a neighborhood bar a suburban bar or whatever you know a band that maybe does some originals maybe does some classic rocks uh, uh songs you know, they sort of have a singer that's distinctive. They have a guitar player that's that's actually really talented and in a lot of ways carries a lot of these songs. Um, at their worst, you know, they sound like a local bar band. You know, so when the songs sort of get uh, you know, by the numbers, sort of formulas, not very interesting, flat, um, you know, that's the sort of thing they start to slip into and you start envisioning yourself, you know, sitting, sitting in a bar listening to it some anonymous band play um there's moments where within even the same song it'll kind of snap out of that and it'll do something special um and again usually that's because of the guitar player and the singer who i think you know are by far the most talented people um in the band i think the drummers you know he's okay he sort of reminds me of uh just i, I think of a guy who's sort of doing his own thing and not really all always paying attention to what the what the song should do and what the rest of the band is doing they're just sort of like in their own space and doing their own thing and sort of just plowing through the song and there's some really some moments here where things can kind of get uh more dynamic more layered more uh just interesting and and he sort of just blows through it and doesn't really do anything um but you know it, it's pretty interesting it definitely is an album that uh you, know, you first pass through it especially a lot of the intros and the first verses you get kind of excited you're like wow this is different okay this is interesting and then this the chorus is coming there's just really not a whole lot going on in terms of of hooks or remember memorable choruses did you did you get the same sense at least your listens yeah i had a lot of the same i guess feelings about this record that you did i listened to it once and it completely went by me without making any sort of an impact and i was like huh okay not sure what that was about and then i listened to it again and i, I turned it up quite a bit in my headphones mm. and it definitely made more of an impact the second time around i was really paying attention to the the drums the bass the guitar trying to focus in on what was not working for me and it you brought up the drummer i think he's solid but he's yeah. not doing anything that's making me go oh that was interesting whereas no. the guitars will do that every once in a while in um the third song, At the Controls, which was the single, 
-hmm. it ends with like this cool like double guitar lead thing that's going on That's different, and it, they don't really approach that again on the record in, in the same way that they do on that song. There are a lot of really cool, and this is unusual, like verses that don't get up to a chorus that's as equally cool. Yep. And it's usually the opposite. Usually, like you have a great chorus, and the the verse to get there is completely forgettable. Yep. Uh, this, These guys could write a verse. Yeah, they could write a really good verse, and. I don't know if I'd really like to go back and hear what the previous band sounded like if they were similar in terms of not really having great choruses or if maybe they were a completely different style. And I'm wondering if this record was the attempt to make sort of a college radio friendly record, because that's what this kind of sounds like to me. Early 90s aimed for the market that would be interested in like R.E.M., um, the mainstreaming of REM, not the early REM, but like the automatic for the people and green and that sort of stuff. And like I said, the plimsolls and, and po posies and whatnot. It's a very polished sounding record, but it almost sounds stale. At yeah, some point. yeah. Uh, absolutely. My, one of my biggest criticisms is is the production, and it's not, you know, to some people it may not be obvious. Because, you know, you listen to it and you, and you crank it and you're like, okay, well, I can hear everything. But there's just a staleness to it that that this band shouldn't have. I mean, this should, you know, they they should sound like a bar band. They should sound raw. They should sound nasty. They should sound like they're in a room. And this just sounds like, it almost sounds like it was a record on a computer, which it couldn't have been. But it just sounds, you know, <laughs> like at times the drums almost sound like a drum machine. Like there's no life to them. And... The vocals, like, they, one of my biggest complaints is that the singer has a really cool voice. It almost reminds me of the singer from, like, uh, Constantine's. Yeah, that, that's a good comparison. You know, he's got this kind of raspy, low, just a really good tone. And they double everything, and he doesn't double it well. So there's parts of the, the vocal where it just becomes this, like, washy you know, mess of like just poorly produced vocals. You're like, I know the guy can sing, just put a mic in there and just give me the sound of him singing. Like, don't, you know, it sort of gets lost in I think late 80s, early 90s sort of production techniques at times. It's unfortunate because in, in some ways, you know, I think there's courses in there from a songwriting perspective. Like a lot of my notes, you know, I had written, boy, I'd love to hear this song acoustic just because it would allow me to hear what the song is doing because it sort of just gets lost and you know the mixing is bad at times like the drums are too loud or the guitar is too loud and the vocal gets lost or you know the you know the drums don't do anything to change up the beat in the chorus so you're just like is this the same part and the, everything else is buried so you're kind of like i think this is the chorus wait and if you just strip it all away i think the core of good songs are there i just think it's just kind of poorly produced yeah i kind of feel like um 
it's like listening to the drums on an ACD, ACDC record where it's like you're not really expecting anything fancy. You're just expecting it to be, you know, lock step, in, you know, in keeping time. But this is a band that really kind of needed a little bit more from the drums. Not that the, the other parts were suffering, but just, you know, when you're playing simple music, simple drums is fine. But they're trying to do, you know, a, a two guitar, a little bit more pop oriented stuff and yeah it's just it's just not working as a whole and it's not to say there aren't good songs you know the first four or five songs are all pretty cool i mean soul grinder and uh in the night kitchen I even liked uh, Sideways Laughing and uh, Mona Lisa Overdrive on the second half of the record. Uh, Mona Lisa Overdrive, and I really liked, I think if you're going to listen to one, well, Black Spirits and White, which is essentially the last song on the album because the, the last song is just noise. It's five minutes, and it's probably the only song where really you start to hear some of the things happen that I think we want to happen, where the song builds to something, the drummer has some dynamics to what he's doing. Um, you know, it, it just, it, it kind of more comes together. The vocal is a little clearer to me. It, you know, it's a long song. It's like five and a half minutes. So it, it's no, it's not a pop song by any means, but just from a production and songwriting standpoint, you start to maybe see at the end here that it has some drama to it. It has some emotion, like just some moments where things happen in there where you get a little goosebumpy and sort of like, it sounds distinctive and it has a little magic to it. rest of the album um it's just so mechanical i don't know it's weird it's so like dry that those moments can't happen um just doesn't mesh together as well i think your i think your analysis that this is probably a really good bar band and that you'd like to hear them you know let loose a little bit is probably right on like this is a band that would probably put on a really fun show Mm-hmm. If you know if they play this as well as you know as as good as it sounds, but with that little bit of an edge live, uh, you know I'd be interested to hear if there was ever like a recording of them playing live, because I wonder if it sounds as you know straightforward as as it is on the record, or if they kind of loosen up a bit and get a little more jagged with it, because that would be a lot of fun. Not that this wasn't fun, it's just it's like a it you know. You just want it to be just a little bit more, mm-hmm. 
but it's just not there. Yep. I mean, like, uh, again, the, the guitar player is pretty special. I mean, there's uh, some really distinctive and cool, you know, guitar lines in here, and, and even intros and solos, and, um, and shoot, there's an all-acoustic song on here. I think it's two guitars, actually, that very Zeppelin-esque. I was sort of dying for the singer to come in on that, that track, which is only, like, maybe a two-minute-long uh, acoustic guitar thing, but I was like, wanting so bad for the for the singer to just come in with a really just kind of earnest raw vocal and sort of do like a cool like acoustic song and it doesn't happen it's just an it's just guitars but it sort of has a very zeppelin kind of feel to it which is pretty cool and there's times when i hear him his playing and it sounds a little bit like joe perry and i mean he just a lot of times in the choruses like he is the hook in a lot of ways um, you know, this will be a vocal and then it'll be followed up with this little guitar melody and he's really the one that if there was a hook there, he's bringing it. So, Which is not necessarily a good thing. You no, don't want your guitar player to be bringing the hook unless he's Steve well, Vai. Yeah, well, if, I mean, if it's produced correctly, you know, you can make that work, especially if the vocal really plays off of it. Um, you know, it, it, can be, it can work, but just from a production standpoint, it's just not quite not quite pulled together so i was just thinking that um your co-worker and uh, uh fellow music enthusiast bill uh is gonna have a fit when he he was mad we reviewed the zimpano record because of its obscurity this one <laughs> this one is even more obscure i mean this is <laughs> zimpano actually went on to be the new pornographers this went on to be nothing i mean not, not yeah. that these guys are nothing not, that's not what i'm implying but you know no I bet if I asked a thousand people, a thousand people have not heard of this band, oh. and uh, our listenership is going to drop from twelve to ten <laughs> after this. Well, this this is what this podcast is about, you know. We're not going to re- review the Pearl Jam records. We're digging in here, and uh, I and this stuff's pretty cool to hear. Uh, and this is, you know, for the '90s, this reflects a part of the spectrum, you know. Mm-hmm. So. All the bands you, you you listed are all significant bands from the late 80s, 80s and 90s and had influences on that time period. And, you know, it, 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 it reminded me a lot of, you know, being in a band in the 2000s. There were still a lot of bands that we played with that were sort of like this. And not even from a necessarily just a pure sound standpoint, but just from the aspect of, like, they were just one notch above being a just a bar band they had a little bit something special going on you know there was a couple bands that we would play with through the years where you're like oh okay that's you know these guys are actually you know whether it was the singer had a particular voice or the guitar player was really talented there'd be something just a little bit more special about them and as i listen to this it sort of remind me of of that type of band which is which makes sense if you're saying they're from you know sort of iowa and uh didn't they weren't huge or anything but still, you know, had we seen, had I seen this band at the time they were recording this, you know, at live, I probably would have been pretty impressed, and, and probably would have gotten into it. I think that about sums it up. I think we're both lukewarm on this record. That's how it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's something you got to go back and listen to for sure. But I mean, if you're into any of the bands we listed, it, it you may find it pretty, pretty, pretty cool. But definitely not. Uh, firm thumbs up for me no this is more a, if you're curious check it out if you're not 
there are 10,000 other bands we'll be reviewing that you can check out. So don't You're not worry. missing a ton. Yeah. All right. I want to thank I want to thank John for bringing this to us. I'm looking forward to all the other ones. I've already listened to a couple of them, and uh, we'll be reviewing them on upcoming podcasts. I want to thank Jay for joining me once again on another episode of Dig Me Out. Visit the Dig Me Out podcast at digmeoutpodcast.blogspot.com. Join our Facebook page or follow us on Twitter at Dig Me Out Podcast. Oh,